0: What is population health?
1: Why do some people become sick while others don't?
2: How do we study and what can we do to eliminate health inequities?
1: Sick Individuals, Sick Populations, the new podcast series from the Interdisciplinary Association of Population Health Science covers these topics and much more. Join us.
0: Arisha Martinez Cardoso from the University of Chicago.
1: Michael Esposito from the University of Michigan.
2: I'm Darrell Hudson at Washington University in St. Louis.
0: Twice a month, as we discuss cutting edge population health research with scholars working across disciplinary boundaries.
1: All right, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the very first recording of Sick Individuals, Sick Populations, the podcast of the Interdisciplinary Association of Population Health Science for 2021. Uh, Besides being absolutely thrilled to be done with 2020, Mm -hmm. 2021 doesn't look like it's going to be much better. Uh, (laughs) Daryl and I uh, are excited to look ahead today and take a peek at what IEPHS has in store for their 2021 conference, uh, which will be held between October 19th and the 21st. Um, So to help us out with this kind of preview of the 2021 annual meeting, uh, we're joined by the conference organizers themselves, Drs. Kathleen Mullen harris Margaret Hicken, and Hedwig Lee. Uh, welcome on folks, and thanks a ton for joining us today. I know everybody's busy, so we really appreciate this. Uh, to kind of start us off um, and kind of get the conversation going off on the right foot, uh, could you each go around and introduce yourself to our listeners?
3: Sure, hi, I'm Kathy Mullen harris I have the great honor to be president of IAPHS this year. I'm a social demographer in the sociology department and the Carolina Population Center at the University of Carolina Chapel Hill. Uh, My research is generally focused on social inequality and health, um, and uh, besides doing research in this area, really much of my career has been devoted to providing the data for researchers To uh, conduct research in this area as director of the National Longitudinal Study of Adolescent to Adult Health or Ad Health. Thanks a lot for uh, doing this podcast.
4: Hi, I'm Maggie Hicken, and um, I am a research associate professor at the Institute for Social Research at the University of Michigan. So, by training, I am a social demographer and a social epidemiologist. And I study um, cultural and structural racism and how that um, uh, relates to population health, particularly through biological mechanisms. Um, I'm also uh, co-chair of the membership committee of IAPHS, and also um, so in addition to. Uh, the substantive research that I do, I'm also the PI of the sixth wave of the Americans Changing Lives study, which is um, a nationally representative study from that had started by was started by Jim House in 1986, and we're now in the sixth wave or the 33rd year of that collecting data on Americans.
5: Cool. Um, I'm Hetty, and I'm so. He- happy that it's 2021. I can't even (laughs) describe my level of joy, despite some early setbacks. I think we are going to make it. It is going to be a winning year. (laughs) That is my mantra.
0: Um, I'm
5: a a sociologist at Washington University in St. Louis, and I also co-direct a new center um, for the study of race, ethnicity, and equity. I also study health inequality, and I'm really interested in links between racial violence and health. And I do a lot of work um, as it relates to the association between mass incarceration and the health of populations. And I'm really excited to be here and talk about the conference, which is going to be amazing in every single way you can imagine.
2: <laughs> strong cell, Indeed. Strong <laughs> Indeed.
5: <laughs>
2: well, thank, thank you all for uh, making the time to be here. And and like you all, very much looking forward to a much better 2020. 2020- 21. No, yeah, we're in 21, right? Yeah, so it feels yeah. like 2020 <laughs> this, as a continuation, okay. <laughs> um, but one of the highlights this year will be the conference, and so I wanted to ask about the theme, and the, this year's theme is racism, power, and justice, achieving population health equity, and I think this is really exciting and really relevant, especially for us on, on the podcast that we're hosting, We were wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about how you decided on this theme and the type of scholarship that you'd like to see and what you expect to be submitted this year.
3: Yeah, we're really excited about this theme as well. Uh, So it was clearly inspired by the events of 2020, um, specifically the killing of George Floyd and uh, other Black Americans whose unjust deaths were made really so apparent to the entire uh, American population um, through the televised coverage and social media, and of course the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. Now, this, it, you know, as we all know, this is not a new thing, but the attention I think created just a, a groundswell of um, of support uh, and recognition, and 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 even for many, a new understanding of what structural racism means and is and, and curiosity about it. Um, so uh, that, was, that was, you know, one of the most important motivi- motivating factors for the theme. Uh, and, you know, I chose this topic because IAPHS is the ideal interdisciplinary organization to take on this task of hosting a conference with this theme uh, because the organization is made up of really leading scholars and business. Uh, leaders, uh, communication specialists, stakeholders, and, and thinkers um, on this topic of structural racism. So we really wanted to give the membership an opportunity to present their research and you know, come together and develop new innovative ideas for how to address the problem of structural racism and, um, and, um, and make progress toward, toward health equity and, and also just inform, um, you know, inform others. Uh, the other really important reason that I chose this topic is because two of those leading scholars, Maggie Hicken and Hedy Lee, mm-hmm. were willing to be the program chairs uh, for this meeting uh, with the theme of structural racism. So that, that, that you know that was a deciding uh, factor and, and uh, we're in the planning processes and um, it's, really, it's it's really exciting. Maybe I'll let Hetty or Maggie talk about what kinds of research we're expecting to uh, show. Yeah,
2: sure.
4: I could, um, I could chime in a little bit uh, about that. So what we're hoping for, uh, what um, I think we're hoping for is to, to, for two, I can see two different movements. One for, one movement is really people who use race in their, they, they may study race, but um, perhaps still in a very, um, a very descriptive way, we're hoping that um, we'll push for research that really understands what these race variables are, what they proxy to understand um, structural racism, and then and then also push to be to consider more deeply what we mean by structural racism, cultural racism, what we mean by power differentials and justice. So rather than throwing these terms around, um, really kind of get into the weeds of the frameworks and measurement, what do we mean when we say structural racism and how do we actually empirically go about testing um, how structural racism works? So I think that that's one, um, one thing that we're really hoping for.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. I think, um, you know, we've been in the field for a little while and we're all colleagues and have talked to each other, but I feel like structural racism is now like this, this hot word of 2020. And I think us as scientists, it's kind of our job to clarify what that really means and, and really dig right. deeper, kind of as Maggie was saying, because everyone's talking about it. And I think mm-hmm. it's really time that we're like in, in the spotlight to really hone the science and make it stronger. And I'm really excited about this theme. And one thing we talk about for IEPHS is like, this is the space where this hard work gets done and like where racism is front and center in, in terms of population health. So I think a lot of folks are excited about this theme. Um, relatedly, uh, one thing that I really enjoy from the annual meetings, um, we talked about it in the conference recap is the invited panels. Um, and uh, we're excited that they You that we use them to look at these kind of broad conference themes from a bunch of different angles and in the past we've seen really cool folks come through to the conference professors medical professionals stakeholders and. um, Really, we have these really engaging and electrifying discussions around the conference theme so can you give us a sneak peek about some of the invited plenary sessions this year and what the uh, what things um, folks should be looking forward to in this. um, in this conference around uh, racism, equity, and population health?
5: Yeah, um, I can speak to that. So first off, we definitely wanna continue the momentum that has been started with the great conferences, IAPHS conferences that, that have come before ours and emulate um, the bringing together of a variety of people from different sectors to talk about complex issue, issues such as how we should think about racism and its association with population health Something you said before kind of struck me, which is um, while this discussion around racism and health uh, seems new, um, especially in the field of population health, and I wouldn't say that for everyone, but for the most part, I would say that's the case, and I, mm-hmm. you can disagree with me afterwards if you don't. Um, people have been talking about and thinking about structural racism for a very long time, especially in the uh, humanities and in the humanistic social sciences. And so one thing we definitely wanna make sure that we do with our plenary sessions is ensure that we have perspectives um, that are coming from experts and people who've been really thinking about how we should conceptualize racism, measure racism and understand how it flows through society. Um, So that's really important for us because uh, one thing that can often happen, and actually this reminds me of uh, an IAPHS session I think it was last year or the year before where I think Kathy, you were a panelist and you were talking about biomarkers um, in the study of health. And you mentioned this idea of making sure we don't work, do research where we just kind of look at the shiny new object and we really don't fully interrogate what we're doing and think through how we measure think, how we measure um, these biomarkers and use them to understand health and health disparities. I think we need to be just as critical about how we think about and use um, racism in our research. And I think that's something that Maggie agrees with and Kathy agrees with. And so we structured our plenary sessions to think about that. So how do we, um, what does it mean to, for there to be a culture of racism in our society? What does that look like? Um, how does that manifest um, in everyday life um, to impact our behaviors and our culture? Um, and so we definitely want to talk about that. We also want to talk about Structural racism as a resilient system. Um, So, you know, we've learned, um, and many of us talk about the ways in which um, racism morphs over time, and we find that racial control continues. Maybe it looks a little bit different, but it still has the same core features of ensuring that certain groups are higher um, up in the hierarchy and other people remain disadvantaged. But we also know that it's not only dynamic, but there are ways in which there's networked features of structural racism where if we see reductions in racism in one sector of society, then we see sort of um, an increase in racism in other sectors of society. Um, So questions right now, there's a lot of questions about defund the police and some people, um, you know, are ringing the alarm bells like, okay, if, if we do go through the um, you know, process of defunding the police, does that mean we'll just create racial control in another sector? Mm-hmm. So we definitely want to um, talk about those kinds of things and especially its impacts on health. And finally, we want to be forward thinking and thinking about how we can build an anti-racist future. So we need to understand problems, measure them, but we also need to think about how we can build those. And again, we feel strongly that we have to understand what we're measuring. Um, we can't just, again, treat racism as sort of this shiny object. I'm gonna like grab measures and write a paper and say that I study racism and health. Um, and once we can do that, then we can also kind of think about innovative policy solutions at the grassroots, but also at the you you know, know, at the, um, you know, federal level. I think this is an interesting time to talk about it as we have a regime change in our government too. I'll stop there because I could go on and on. I'm super excited. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It is really just kind of exciting um, to see all these topics, like getting attention. I was going to say like in a major conference. I don't know if we're a major conference yet, but I'm going to say we're a major conference. <laughs> but like seeing these kind of like yes. kind of voices and stories, <laughs> like um, actually put front and center um, to kind of like a traditional conference that has like draws so many uh, kind of different people and a lot of people that maybe aren't as invested in thinking about racism. Um, as uh, you know scholars on this call are, uh, that's really cool. And I hope that it kind of like normalizes um, some of the research and kind of um, or helps to normalize some of the research that we regularly engage in, right? I feel like sometimes going to conferences and the health conferences in particular, like we're having conversations when we're like, what is racism? And you can just see everybody move away from me slowly. Like we don't want <laughs> <that> to, <region>. right? <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, this is just awesome to see um, um, these conversations just kind of given the respect I think they deserve. Agreed. Let's move on a little bit um, and talk a little, uh, a bit about logistics, right? Um, so last year's meeting was the first to go entirely online uh, due to COVID. Duh. Um, and I was like admittedly ready to just, like absolutely hate it. I got the email back in October or back whenever it said it was going to go online. And I was like, oh yeah, this is going to be the worst and just, really just <laughs> scrolling. Um, it was bad, um, but it wasn't, it was awesome. It was a really awesome, like a genuinely awesome conference. Right. Um, and I think that's kind of a shared sentiment. Uh, there were quite a number of things um, that people kind of seem to enjoy about kind of a fully virtual conference, uh, including the ability to do kind of non-traditional sessions. You know, we had a bunch of um, kind of podcast type sessions and I forgot what were other kind of forms that we had? We had podcasts, we had traditional sessions. uh, Our traditional plenaries that were really good. Yeah, yeah. So just a lot of kind of- Posters.
5: Oh, virtual posters, yeah. Yeah. Virtual posters Uh,
1: again. Um, So like just a lot of, you know, just awesome, like kind of different ways to present information. Um, People also seem to really enjoy that kind of, you know, sessions were pre-recorded and could be accessed throughout the week. So you didn't have to make any hard decisions about like uh, Mm -hmm. what research uh, kind of you wanted to see. It was all really, really great. Um, So I'm not sure yet. uh, So tell me to not ask this question if that's the case if you've made a kind of call about whether the uh, kind of annual meeting will be hosted in person yet. Um, but if it is, are there any aspects from the virtual meeting that you're planning on kind of incorporating into the real life meeting? Um, and if we do end up going virtual again, do you have any ideas for kind of like making that conference experience kind of even more enjoyable for folks than it was last year? Yeah, I'll,
3: I'll, I'll start out. Um... You know, so it's, at this point, actually, we are planning for an in-person meeting. Um, you know, it may, it may it, it's, it's probably too early to know for sure if that will be the case. Um, but I think uh, an in-person meeting um, in October, you know, even a, an in-person meeting that we have in October, there probably will be some adjustments. Right? It's not going to look like the conferences that we used to go to. Um, uh, it's a great idea that you have about incorporating some of the non-traditional aspects of the virtual meetings that we did last year. Um, and I think that that's something that we really want to start thinking about and planning. It'll probably depend on the kinds of abstract, ab- abstracts and topics that we receive from the membership. But uh, you know we can uh, brainstorm some new formats for sessions. Um, you know, maybe, uh, you know, question answer sessions of panels. Um, There, I know some conferences are now adopting these slash talks, uh, which are like five minute talks rather than whatever 15 or 20 minute talks. And in that way, you can also showcase more of of the research, you know, of the membership. And I think that We should. We can also look into recording sessions so that they can be viewed um, after the conference. I know that was something I really enjoyed. Was a big hit because, you know, the you know a lot of times you can't see what some of the other presentations are that you want to, um, because you have uh, uh, conflicts or responsibilities during those times. So, um, thanks for putting this you know idea uh, on the table. We're gonna uh, you know work work more on that.
0: Yeah, it was really a pleasure. We hosted several uh, um, podcast recordings with presenters and it was fun to do that because you got a different angle from the research and a behind the scenes. Uh, So that was something I think I really enjoyed from this year's podcast. I'm sorry, this year's conference or last year's conference rather. Um, Uh, We also,
5: oh, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. (laughs) I was just gonna say one thing I wanted to add on to Kathy is that we definitely wanna, the the poster sessions, the virtual poster sessions were really great because there's a lot of, one-on-one interaction with the presenters and we want to replicate that um that you know that can be hit or miss at conferences with the poster sessions but i think there are ways we we could do that and then i mean i know this is probably controversial but i really like i've always liked reading live tweets of um presentations Um, i think it'd be really cool to think about ways to incorporate that more dynamically in a presentation i know that you run the risk of a heckler Um, But I think we have a good, (laughs) we have pretty good manners in IAPHS. Where I think, I, I, you know, even now when I'm teaching my courses, I love to look at the chat because, you know, I'll be lecturing or talking and then people are having conversations on the chat. And it's just, you just feel so much more connected to the presentations, even though we should feel more disconnected, at least what you would assume because we're on Zoom. Um, I rhymed there. I don't know if you checked that out. (laughs) But that's why we have you on. (laughs) I'm I'm really
2: multi, I
4: really, I think I really like that idea of being able to engage on social media in real time and have yeah. these conversations um, especially we can that that is one way to bring in people who you know nationally and internationally who are not at the conference at the time mm-hmm. or who are you know at a um, different
3: you know different session or anything like that I think that's a great idea mm-hmm. yeah I, I just like that that is a great idea and I just Briefly, I mean, all of us have become so much more proficient with dealing with these multiple platforms just because of COVID and the the Zoom era. So I think we could pull it off.
1: Absolutely. For sure. Just seeing, like, and just getting, again, just kind of going back to this kind of whole podcast and all different sessions, just seeing, like, everyone talk and even tweeting, like, people kind of engage with their work in this real conversational way. you know, like my first thought about it, and it's a real dumb thought because we're surrounded by people with PhDs. It's like, man, everybody here is really smart, right? <laughs> like just hearing them, <laughs> like just like kind of be so casual and, um, but also like precise and like informative. Was just, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a great way to kind of take in some research. So, looking forward to see uh, how those kind of things can can you get built out. Oh, for sure,
2: and um, I just wanted to pick up on on something that's related to the conference and. Um, this question is for you, Maggie. You've been doing these symposiums for a number of years now, and you know necessity is the mother of all, and, and innovation, as they always say. So we we figure out ways to to do um, a virtual conference, and like Mike mentioned, to make it absolutely awesome, and hopefully pull some of those things that we've learned from the the virtual conference into the in person interaction, now even enhanced experience even more. Well, Maggie, you you've been doing uh, um, we've been running Racism Lab for a number of years and it's sort of related to, to the annual meeting IAPHS and the University of Michigan's Racism Lab are partnered for a symposium that will be taking place next month called Toxic Equilibrium, Structural Racism and Population Health Inequities. This will be on February 24th. So we were wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the symposium and how you see tying it to the 21 annual meeting.
4: Thank you so much for asking about that. I am grateful to be collaborating with IAPHS for the first time to make this University of Michigan Racism Lab IAPHS um, uh, collaborative online uh, symposium. So just a little bit about Racism Lab. We are um, an interdisciplinary um, research collective uh, focused on focused on career progression research, you know, kind of um, research progression, career progression of doctoral students and postdoctoral fellows at the University of Michigan who study racism. And um, Mike is a current member, Aresha is an alum, Hetty has actually presented for us at previous symposia and Daryl, I know is on our future symposia. <laughs> I was gonna work. say, I got left,
2: how did that happen? Ah, no, no. <laughs> We've known each other the longest about. far.
4: <laughs> well, no, I'm wondering when the WashU branch of Racism Lab uh-huh. is going to be started. True. Um, but so every year we're in our sixth year um, and every year we hold an annual Symposium um, linked to the University of Michigan MLK Symposium, the campus-wide symposium, and um, this year, because of COVID, we're going virtual. However, it was the perfect opportunity and probably the perfect timing to collaborate with IAPHS Um, and because we are interdisciplinary and draw students and postdocs and faculty from political science and sociology, psychology, as well as, well as public health. Um, and so this year, Eduardo Benias silva is our keynote speaker and he will be speaking, um, his talk will be titled, um, What Makes Systemic Racism Systemic? And so it's perfect. It's really ideal, especially for our topic because we are gonna be talking about how, what structural racism is how it operates and how, how our institutions are actually connected to each other so that as we try to move toward equity, as Hetty was saying, as we try to move toward equity in one institution, we have to keep our eyes on all of the other institutions. As, as um, in the United States, we're always moving toward this equilibrium of white privilege. And um, so he will be speaking about that and about the connections among institutions. And then we'll have three panel sessions I'm really excited about that Um, all deal with interdisciplinary panel sessions that deal with different different approaches to the study of structural racism. And we will have some of the panels are IAPHS members and some of them are not. And so I'm really excited to be able to introduce a national audience um, to IAPHS as well. And um, and then we'll have a virtual poster session as well in the evening. Um, I think that I'm looking forward to this collaboration and kind of this, uh, uh, the initial discussion on these ideas about structural racism leading up to our 2021 conference. So um, I'm excited and I'm excited hopefully um, we'll be able to see all of you there.
2: Awesome, thank you. I'll I'll look forward to getting my my invitation, (laughs) (laughs) Maggie.
0: It's coming, coming, Daryl, you know it's coming. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds really exciting. It's almost like a lead up, a teeing up to the annual conference, like a teaser and a taster to get people excited. Okay. Um, I'm, re- I'm always like looking forward to the um, the symposium. I think this one, the years will be great, um, especially virtual because we, some of us can't be there in person um, when it happens normally. Um, uh, to, so thinking about kind of the bigger goals of the symposium and the conference, um, Hetty, you alluded to this earlier, uh, around like our goal as a uh, uh, association is not only to kind of do the research and document research, but also to envision ways in which we can advance and improve population health, think about policy or practice solutions towards this anti racist future. Um, so while that is our goal, um, in the circles that we run in, we've seen recently, through things like COVID um, and other kind of health inequities that have plagued our nation, that we're quite a ways off from even approaching that endpoint. So for the three of you, how do you think population health scientists as a collective can help us move closer to making actual real world progress on racial equity? Um, because we've shown time and time again that major racial disparities exist in all sorts of health outcomes. And yet, all that documentation that we've done hasn't always motivated sweeping changes towards equality, at least at the level that we hope that it would. So how do you think this conference um, will help us envision how we can do things differently? How we promote, conceptualize, or value our work to make progress here, and uh, what sorts of things are you looking forward to in the conference as a venue to think about some of those ideas? I know that's a million dollar question. So.
4: Right. <laughs> I don't solve to take a stab solve at it. the You <laughs>
0: know, solve it for us yeah. in thirty seconds. Yeah. But what's at the top of your mind? Well, I I'll, I'll start. I think it's it's probably more
3: than a million right it's probably multi-trillion it's probably you know more than the the (laughs) current debt right which is pretty high um i mean i really want to let maggie and hetty respond because they've given so much thought to this over their careers but but one thing i would like to say is that i i really do hope that this conference can be a starting point for you know as you say population health scientists as a collective uh, can develop some ideas and concrete you know, actions or strategies for how we can make progress towards the goal of, of uh, racial equity. And you know just thinking uh, you know, instrumentally for the conference I mean perhaps this is a question we can pose to speakers who are a part of um, all of the panels that we form. We just say we want to keep in. You know, we want you to think about this uh, you know, in your presentation or your discussion of the topic and uh, um, you know, and, and you know, say something about this. We can also ask the plenary speakers, you know, this question, and, and keep this as a sort of theme, a, a question theme that we can run across the conference, across the panels, the the plenaries, the even the you know the presented uh, abstracts and posters, and then you know, even convene uh, following the conference, you know, the three of us or with um, the board of IAPHS, and maybe even just develop a report on what we learned, um, uh, sp- develop any strategies that we think IAPHS could, could work on um, to move forward and communicate and somehow get going um, along these lines. So that's a very sort of, you know, a high, uh, you know, Uh, um, uh, uh, Broad response, Um, but um, thanks for that question.
5: Yeah, I guess I can add. um, So my New Year's resolution for 2021 was to be more optimistic and hopeful. (laughs) So, and so I think I mean I and I'm curious. I'm very curious to see what how Maggie is going to answer this Mm. trillion dollar, infinity dollar question. Um, Um. so in being more hopeful, I've been trying to, and I, I guess I've also been pushed by teaching teaching about health disparities for a long time to undergraduates yeah. who get so tired of having to hear about all of the you know problems that exist in our society at sort of every level, and they want to understand how do we change, what can we do, um, and so I I think you know, and I'm so I'll let Maggie answer the that bigger question. You're welcome, Maggie, for being the last to go. <laughs> 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 Um, but I'm gonna focus. I think that we can also, and I this, we've been talking about this in meetings. We can. I think we should also be focusing on things that are actually happening right now that we don't are not often l- looking at that where we're seeing changes happen in ways that are really important. And so I've had the privilege to work uh, uh, for the Committee of Populations for the National Academy of Sciences, which uh, Kathy Harris chairs, and I just think the National Academy of Sciences is doing a lot of really great work, especially in response to COVID right now, um, in terms of bringing together scholars who are doing this out of their own time so they're not getting paid and they still have a thousand and one things to do you know for their home universities and other professional organizations like IAPHS um to really tackle issues around uh, COVID-19 and disparities and such. And so I was lucky to be part of a, um, a, a rapid response uh, report on using decarceration, so oh. removing individuals from jails and prisons as a strategy to re- reduce COVID-19. I got to work with other scholars, people who were running um, prison, prison and jail systems in other states, advocates, lawyers, et cetera, to really think through those things. And so I think National oh. Academy of Sciences really cares about this work I should say that slower National Academy of Sciences really cares about that work and is bringing together scholars to really do um, important work that is informing how governors and mayors, mm-hmm. um, so local officials and federal government are making decisions. There's a report on how, how to roll out the COVID-19 vaccine that was created by the National Academy of Sciences that was, you know, part of the guidance along with CDC guidance for states, and now states are doing whatever they want, but <laughs> there was, you know, there's, you know, there's, there's things that are happening. And so I want to focus on that. Also, um, Marcella Nunez-Smith, who's a physician also with an MPH at Yale is helping to run the equity, um, the e- equity um, component of the COVID task force created by the president and the vice president or the incoming our elected president and vice president, uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Um, So I think there are things that are happening, um, you know, that we can uh, speak to. I mean, I mean, I haven't even talked about even more monumental changes like that of the Black Lives Matter movement, things that are happening at the Equal Justice Initiative that are making people think about connections between racial violence and health and well-being. So I hope that we think about bigger picture? What are these bigger things we can change? But I hope we can think about how we can galvanize and amplify some of the work that's being done and make it more visible. Um, So anyway, I'll stop there. I have a lot of other ideas and hopefully, you know, those will be some of the panels that we'll have um, as well. Maggie, your turn to answer the infinity dollar
3: question.
5: (laughs) (laughs) So, I, I would not
4: consider myself a pessimist. I would consider myself a realist. And so we may actually want to he- end on Hetty's note and not mine. <laughs> but I, I think, that, um, but I, I'm not a pessimist. I, I am hopeful, but I'm hopeful with some caveats. I'm hopeful that we can actually affect change with some, some work first, with some really actually difficult work. And one of it is, one thing is, it, our, One part of the work are some realizations that we in population health need to understand. And one is that our structure is operating as it was designed. It was designed to be racially unequal. It was designed this way, embedded in throughout our structure. And so for us to actually make change, um, we will have to understand that we're working actually against a system as it was designed. And that's not hopeless, but I think that we need to actually acknowledge that, that racism, that structural racism is ubiquitous. It is not the exception. It is actually the rule built into so many ways in which we operate. That is not pessimistic. That is, we have to understand the way our society works and then we can begin to take action and and move forward. I would, the second thing that, um, because that is actually, I would just like to say, different from what public health trains us. Public mm-hmm. health trains us to be very unrealistically optimistic. And that is, I, I think that that's an unfortunate way to, to look mm-hmm. because then we, we end up like banging our heads against the wall, you know, coming up with these community interventions, wondering why they don't work. It's because we're, we don't understand that we're working up against the mm-hmm. system operating mm-hmm. as it was designed to operate. Um, and the other thing is that I would love to really begin thinking about specific things—the the things that Hetty was talking about and that Kathy was talking about—but um, and really beginning, uh, really continuing these discussions that focus on the structure. So if we're talking about structural racism and how this operates, then it is not then then the solution is not to go change health behaviors. Of marginalized communities, we focus on the structure then, and focus on policy changes, focus on large, large scale um, changes that hetty was talking about, like thinking really big. So it's those two things that I think fundamentally, if we can really understand that it is depressing to understand the reality of structural racism. However, we cannot shy away from it. We have to understand it, and then we can begin to move forward realistically and make change. So um, that is my realistic, non-pessimistic, <laughs> but Hetty may want to then end
5: on a really optimistic <laughs>
1: note. Bring <laughs> us back up, Hedy. Uh,
5: <laughs> I can, I don't, I, go ahead, Kathy. Uh, you bring us back up,
3: Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was just going to say that you can everything everybody can now see that um, I have chosen two of the most (laughs) fantastic, dynamic, influential, effective program chairs uh, for this theme uh, for the IAPHS conference in 2021.
5: Absolutely. Thank you. That was optimistic. Oh, that was optimistic,
1: yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Very much so. I I think, (laughs) uh, yeah,
3: yeah, I think there's a continuum from optimism to pessimism. And uh, I think that we have, I think, you know, we're all on that continuum.
1: For sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's easy to see that kind of thing, I guess, when you take a look at um, kind of some of these broader movements, right, we have it. It's amazing that, like, kind of local metropolitan areas are even at all considering it kind of like defund initiatives, right, um, so yeah. that's like promising, um, but at the same time, like as Hedy hinted at earlier, right, like some of like the, uh, you know, we have to be very like careful about like what we like kind of redistribute that money to, uh, because it, like Maggie said, cultural racism is this big thing and if we just kind of like change one, pull one lever, all that may get offset somewhere else, right, so it's this balance of like, oh, things are happening, Let's continue to be real about like um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like how big of a challenge this is, right? So yeah, let's balance, keep the balance there. Yeah. Okay. I think also. Oh,
3: I'm sorry. No, no worries. uh, Okay. (laughs) Well, I (laughs) just want to reemphasize that you know the timing is 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 really right for this. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. People's minds are more open than they ever have been before. Their ears are you know, tuned than they ever have before to hear both the optimism and the pessimism. And I agree completely with both Maggie and um, Hedy's perspective on this. And so that's what I think is really exciting um, uh, about the theme and the conference is that I think, you know, that we can really uh, make, I think we can make some progress, even if it's only in understanding and communication and organization, because the timing is so ripe for this.
1: For sure. And I'm, for one, and looking uh, forward to seeing the kind of conversations and research um, that uh, we see in this conference. Um, so that puts us, I have to cut us off. We could talk about this all day, but I have to end things. Um, Sue, who's listening in the background, might come and attack us if we don't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, thanks again to Maggie, Hetty, and Kathy for joining us today. Uh, like I said before, I think we're all kind of even more excited to see um, what kind of awaits us in October uh, after this conversation. Um, for listeners, uh, be sure to check out our website iaphs.org backslash. This is backslash, right? Backslash. Forward conference. slash. Forward <laughs> slash. Thank yeah, you. I
2: think
1: it is. <laughs> <laughs> this gotta help. Um, so iaphs.org forward slash conference. For more information on kind of how to submit and get registered for the 2021 annual meeting um, as well as kind of like uh, for any updates as kind of um, things continue to solidify um, and with that uh, until next time i'm mike esposito i'm adesha
0: martinez
5: cardoso
1: i'm daryl hudson and thanks for listening to another episode of sick individuals sick populations thanks bye
3: Bye.